Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise a Machine. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod pancake. His name going to be... John Maloney. Hi, everyone. And I want to say, go on now. Go. Walk out the door. Just turn around now, because you're not welcome anymore. <laughs> Weren't you the one who tried to hurt me with goodbye? Did you think I'd crumble? Did you think I'd lay down and die? Oh, no, not I. I'll episode 75. <laughs> oh, as long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay episode 75. <laughs> I've got all my life to live. I've got all my love to give. And I'll episode 75. I will 75. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Love it. And I want to say thanks to Gloria Gaynor for sending us that special version of her song. Yeah. I Will Survive. And I think as I was saying that to you, John, in your mind and in the minds of the DPTMers as conjuring up pictures mm. of Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce and Terence Stamp. Oh, yeah. All dressed as beautiful drag queens mm. in the 1994 Australian road comedy Priscilla Queen of the Desert. And I believe that particular scene, mm -hmm. I think it is set in Port Augusta in South Australia. Is that right? Yeah. When they have been taken in by a community of first Australians mm -hmm. and they're sitting around the campfire, their bus is broken down, they're being taken care of, mm. and they say, we're going to do a drag show for you, crew. Yeah, and wow. It's, uh, and then it's cultures coming together, hmm. a little bit of an Easter egg. If you look closely, one of the actors in that scene yeah. is wearing an Adelaide crow's beanie. Oh, Wow. That's cool. I never knew that. I've never, I've never watched that. I've never watched any Australian films except for the Crocodile Dundee movies. Wait, 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 wait! You haven't seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert? No, I haven't. I'm, oh my I'm god! That's, I am shocked. I know it's it's an obvious omission from my list of. I, I had a bit of a period in lockdown where I was trying to catch up on the Australian film canon because there was a period where there was a lot of Australian movies coming out, particularly in the sort of eighties and nineties. And that was one of them, but I didn't get to it. Man, it's really good. Mm. Priscilla's like an absolute killer film. Mm. There you go. I'll check, might check it out after this. Have you seen Muriel's wedding? Yes, I have. And that was also great. Okay. Um, strictly, strictly ballroom. I've seen strictly ballroom. Okay. Seen shine. Okay. Mad Max. Crocodile Dundee? Uh, I don't know if I've actually sat through the whole thing. <laughs> it's pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things that's uh, somehow slipped off my radar. Episode seventy five made me think of a of a, a not dissimilar cultural phenomenon from nineteen seventy five, which is okay the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which opened on Broadway. Mm. In that in that year, nineteen seventy five, it was a Broadway production first before it was a film. I think so. Didn't know that unless they made it a Broadway production out of the film. I'm not sure, but it was on its uh, stage version debuted on Broadway in nineteen seventy five. Uh, the other things that I picked up in preparing for today, the rides, the Space Mountain ride at Disney, also okay, yep, came online in 1975. So it's been there for fucking ages. Wow. And the your favorite show, the Wheel of Fortune, also started in <laughs> 1975. <Man>. <laughs> <laughs> I've not watched Wheel of Fortune for years. <laughs> what was his name? The mustachioed idiot. I forget. Uh, John Burgess. 
Yeah, John uh, Burgess, I mean, that's, Australian yeah, version. In 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 America, I think it started with Merv Griffin, but um, we what we grew up watching John Burgess and Adriana Exenides, yes. uh, who was the kind of the the pretty lady who turns the letters. Yeah, mm. beautiful. And I want to let everybody know that you had a very special experience this week Mm -hmm. and that is that you made a brand new friend called linda who messaged you on whatsapp (laughs) she was looking (laughs) for a location for a bakery why do you let everybody know why do you let everybody know about your brand new friend linda that's that's a very good idea um okay so (laughs) this wasn't on the docket yeah it wasn't wasn't on my docket i don't it's i missed a trick (laughs) so so the first message I received was on Friday at eleven fifty one. So yeah, so maybe just to back up, this is compl- so you received a completely random WhatsApp message on your I phone. Re- exactly, an unknown number uh-huh. with an international area code, and it simply said, "Hello, mate, smiley face." Clinton gave me your number. <laughs> he said, "You can help me find a good location for my pastries shop." He he, <laughs> and then. Um, no photo or anything at the moment. Not, yeah. not at that stage. And then she said, I really need. Uh, then four minutes went by. So from 11.53, that message I just read. And then at 11.57, I really need your update about my pastries location, mate. <laughs> mate. Although mate is spelled with a double T there. And then sad face. So she's putting the hard word on. And within, four mi- within four minutes of the first yeah. message, she's like, look, this pastry... It's- Bakery needs <laughs> needs a location ASAP. This is time sensitive, and it's your um, responsibility somehow. <laughs> Clinton, yeah. Clint, don't I don't want to have to call Clinton and get them to get on you about it. Exactly, it's ruin your relationship with Clinton. Exactly, and I get some. I mean, this is no. This kind of message is not at all a novelty for me anymore. In essence, because I get a lot of these sorts of messages. I think it's because. Because of my being self-employed, my phone number is online, and yeah. maybe that makes it more vulnerable to random yeah, contacts. And anyway, then she didn't receive a response from me, so she sent me a photo saying, "I'm Linda, a pastries <laughs> chef." Uh, and can you describe the a, photo? The photo is a smiling uh, woman. She's uh, Asian. She's about 20 to 25. She's in a bakery with lots of good-looking desserts behind her. And uh, she says, I'm Linda. I'm a pastries chef. Hello, question mark. So she's getting quite demanding again. And I said, (laughs) I said, hi, Linda. I would be happy to help. And she put a love heart on that message. So I can. So I was buoyed by that, and I continued. And this was after consulting you about <laughs> about how I should approach this exchange. Because we often, I mean, we often talk about how we should interact with the opposite sex. So it was, it was <laughs> yeah, no different. Exactly. Like hitting me up for advice with women. Yeah, how I've been hit up by an Asian pastry chef who's location mm. scouting, and I thought, yeah. wow, this could not be more of my forte. And I said, I was a bit worried because I said, you know, is this the kind of thing I should, I should go to Jacinta with and be quite upfront? You know, I've, I may have met uh, somebody there called Linda. So far, we're just talking, but just in the interest of 
being honest. And so far, I, it's just been about location scouting. <laughs> but yeah, who knows where this is going to go? I who knows? Be up front. Yeah, and I said, ideally, I would, and this was because you, I think you. Uh, were a little bit more cynical than me. I just thought I'd made a new friend, <laughs> and you said, <laughs> and you said I had to sort of direct the conversation in weird, in in weird directions so that I could basically establish whether Linda was a real person and yeah. w- whether she had any of the, whether she was indeed a pastries chef. And I said, ideally, I would suggest somewhere within walking distance from my home. I have an insatiable craving for buttery pastries. <laughs> and, and then I said, and she put a wow emoji on that one. And then I said, Linda, question mark, exclamation mark. And then I said, uh, commented on her photo, these savory and sweet treats look like pure heaven. And then she said, you're so kind, hoo-hoo. Thank you very much. I will bake for you then, smiley face. Thank you, love. Uh, then it's kind of smiley face with love hearts around it. Yeah. You don't have to pay. I will treat you at my pastries. So it's oh, wow. I've done well Free. out of this. Yeah. Free pastry. Clint- Clinton's given me the hookup. And, uh, and just um, maybe maybe just, uh, maybe just to explain here, I, I had at this point said to you, um, this is a scam where they're trying to, where eventually you'll be giving them money. Yeah. And I remember you wrote back and said, I can't, like, how does this work? How yeah, is yeah, it yeah. that it goes from somebody needing a location for their pastry <laughs> shop? Exactly. And then I was explaining to you how that it would have been sent to like thousands of people and that it's a long game where they establish a kind of rapport with you that mm. eventually, you know, she'd somehow need you to put the down payment on the lease for the pastry shop for the pastry shop yeah uh, but and that's why i was saying to you you know she'll the the the, the eyes of the scammer will have lit up just by yeah. the fact that you're engaging with them so then what did you what did you say next then she said where was that location as in where where do you live so she's getting a little bit more information about her mark i guess or probably <laughs> correct, correct probably probably it's a man uh in reality and not linda and then I said, are you at the bakery right now? And that I said that because you had instructed me to get a <laughs> to get some images, to demand very bespoke images so that she, <laughs> so that if so that if she was borrow, if she was stealing the image of of the character that she was <laughs> pretending to be and the bakery, yeah. then you were saying, why don't you ask her for a picture of herself with a croissant on her head? And <laughs> If she can't supply that, because you yeah. know that's not that's I not going to be. I said to you, can you? I said to her, you should bait bait her by saying, I would love it if you were like, I'd love it if you're in the pastry shop right now, mm. like that, and then you know get get her to say, yeah, 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 no, I I am, and then say, okay, great, then put a croissant on your head and take a photograph and send it to me <laughs> right now with a copy of today's newspaper in the foreground, <laughs> and then. And then I, so I said, are you at the bakery right now? Yup. What is your name? And I said, can you, ignoring that question, I said, can you, <laughs> can you take a photo of it? I'd love to see. And then she sent me a, a short video, a 13 second yeah. video of the bakery, which, you know, uh, that's was the same. Deep. That's pretty convincing. It was fairly convincing because it was clearly uh, from the other angles, the same bakery that she had previously been pictured in. And I and she said, "I want to invite you. Can we be friends?" And I said, "Sure." And she said, "I'm Linda, 20, 29 years old, and I'm from 
Kowloon in Hong Kong. How about yeah. you, my friend? You there? And I said, I'm Kane. I'm from Sydney and I'm 38. <laughs> and because I didn't want to, because I got, I sent a message to you saying, saying, is it okay if I give her my details? <laughs> and, you, and you were like, I feel like I'm dealing with my parents. Like, just get off, just walk, get away from the phone. I'll handle it. And, then, <laughs> and, uh, and she said, you look younger. He, he. Do yeah. You, by the way, do you have a girlfriend? So I was like, oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> and I said, yes, would you like to see her? And she said, yes, yeah, sure, smiley face. And then by that stage you had sent me, I don't know, I still don't understand, did, so perhaps you can explain. Yeah, I can explain what you did, what I did. So yeah. um, you had sent me the photograph that Linda had sent you that, mm. where she said, this is me, I'm Linda. And yeah. I just took that photo and Google image searched it straight away. So I put yeah. it into Google image search and the first result was an Instagram account of a real pastry chef who has about 4,000 followers, so not a lot. Mm. And then I just clicked the Instagram account and sure enough, it was somebody with a completely different name. I think it was yeah. like y- Yvonne. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then there was tons of content on this person's Instagram page uh, including the video that you'd been sent of the pastry shop. Yeah. And so then I just sent you the link to the real Instagram account and I said, I'm very sorry to <laughs> have brought this to your best, attention, John. Ruined your new friendship. <laughs> and so and so then you had the account of the real person. Yeah. And I still thought, well, look, maybe <laughs> maybe I'm dealing with somebody who's just a bit sheepish about their appearance. <laughs> And, and they've used uh, Yvette's or Yvonne's imagery. Yeah. So I said, would you like to see her? Would you like to see my girlfriend? And she said, yeah, sure. And then I sent her a, a photo <laughs> of this other, of this person whose images she, was she had. Claiming to she be. was claiming to be. <laughs> with a, holding a pie. And then, uh, and then she said, she sent two laughing emojis. Yeah. And said, is that me? And I said, I don't know, is it? <laughs> and then nothing else since then, sadly. <laughs> it, went, went, it went cold. Obviously, the person on the other side thought, I've been had. Uh, the, the hunter has become the hunted. So yeah. I gave up. Um, but I wish I'd spoken to you about the previous interactions that I'd had because I realized that a lot of other unsolicited WhatsApp exchanges that had been started by people. Um, I hadn't done the Google image search and I have given away quite a bit of my own money now. (laughs) So... So, John, something that I've been discussing with you is getting into some new styles of music recently. Mm. You mentioned to me that the same thing had been happening to you, and that is that we've both we've both somehow started to investigate artists and genres that would have made more sense when we were around 14 years old <laughs> and not 40 years old. Yeah. So maybe I'll just start, start with me. Yeah. So I think because Metallica was featured on Stranger Things recently, the the recent season of Stranger Things on Netflix, the Netflix phenomenon, mm-hmm. which uh, has 
I'm sure a lot of people are aware, we might have even mentioned it on the podcast, um, it's opened up a whole new audience to Kate Bush because they used running up that hill mm. uh, and that made her another Cutler Mill. Yeah. And another song that they used from the 80s was Metallica's Master of Puppets oh, from right. the 1986 album of the same name. And okay. so because of that, all the kids, all the kids thought, what is this great song that mm. goes, Master, Master. And the kids said, I'm going to go find out what that song is. And so a lot of kids have been getting into Metallica, which means Metallica oh, was popping that. up in all the... Yeah, so Metallica started popping up in all the algorithms. And I think I must have seen a little Metallica video, mm-hmm. maybe was suggested to me on YouTube. And then I thought, I wonder what Master of Puppets sounds like live mm. now. Because mm. I'm always interested in, in what older bands, particularly bands that are 30 years old, uh, plus yeah. bands have been together for 30 plus years Yeah So I put in Metallica, Master of Puppets live I Yeah I think it's from, no, I think it's from 2019 Okay, I wow I think it's in the Quite UK recent. Yeah It's just killer Like Really? It's, in, it's just an amazing performance mm. of people that have been at the game I mean, you know, talk about your 10,000 hours. Yeah. You got little you got little Lars just slapping away in the back there. Yeah. And it's ju- and you got and you got James up the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the it hat. was just an amazing thing to the watch. Hat-meister. The big hat. Yeah. The big hatmeister. And so then I just started uh looking up like Metallica stuff. Yeah. And so I thought, yeah, I'll just get really into metal at 40 <laughs> instead of I had no interest in it when I was a kid. When yeah. all the other metal kids at school were getting into it. You're just doing that at the age where a lot of the metalheads are kind of aging out and getting into softer music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somehow somehow my rage is growing. I was content I was a very content youth. Um <laughs> now you're like yeah, the system is fucked. Yeah, um, I was, I've, I've done it all in reverse where mm. I was going on dates and chatting with girls when I was young and now <laughs> I'm just becoming an incel metalhead at 40. <laughs> 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 I've got my trench coat on. Uh, mm. Yeah, and then Metallica led me on to Megadeth, which mm-hmm. uh, was started by Dave Mustaine, who mm-hmm. was originally one of the founding uh, – he was one of the members – of Metallica and then got fired for a drug and alcohol problem. He doesn't oh, feature wow. on any on any uh, Metallica recordings. But yeah. then he started Mega. Then he started Megadeth. Ah. So I started looking into Megadeth. Yeah, was like getting really into a song called Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. Wow. <laughs> um, my main man Rick Beato, who does these videos on YouTube, where he does what makes it's called a series called What Makes This Song Great. He yeah. did Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth, and hmm. then another YouTube video was just explaining. Why Dream Theater, another mm. great metal band, why they're so good. So I started getting really into them. Yeah, so I'm, I'm loving metal because I love the production. I love the type of production. I yeah. love, I'm absolutely obsessed with the time signatures that mm. just bend my brain because yeah. I cannot follow. You see that, you know, the drummer just switches and the guitarist switches and they all know where, where one another's going. Yeah. And I just go, it's so different to... Pop music, the four four, yeah, it's all yeah, over yeah. the place, and everybody knows somehow, yeah, and that's that's why I've been loving metal. Now, John, what have you been loving? Shout out to Ben Kerville, he'd be he'd oh be, man, Ben Kerville, absolutely. Don't praise a Ben Kerville, he'd love this sort of stuff. <laughs> this entire segment is for you, Ben. Mm. 
I'm just going to do a little bit of, I'm going to do the intro from Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. This is my Please. Dave Mustang. I'm going to go, you take a mortal man and put him in control. There you go. Wow. That's for you, Ben. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I've been having a kind of parallel awakening to music that I was quite dismissive of when I was younger. I just kind of was not not uh, engaged with it all in any event, but I was on Instagram and there was a, there was a meme that was going around a kind of, there's a lot of accounts that do sort of send ups of breaking bad and um, they just sort of put Walter White in various absurd contexts and so on. Anyway, (laughs) one of these memes had uh, the backing track and it was the song dead wrong by Biggie. Uh, And it was a version that I think was, produced posthumously and featured uh, Eminem on the track. Right. And then I started listening to Biggie in the shower on my morning <laughs> morning musical hour I, um, <laughs> when I'm having a shave and and uh, washing, washing my pits. I thought that would be nice <laughs> if I could accompany that with a bit of Notorious B.I.G. Uh, <laughs> so I popped it on and I've been loving it the last couple of weeks. Um, wow. Golden era hip hop, you yeah. just th- decided to get into. Yeah, which again, like at forty, I was kind of into Snoop when I was younger. Yeah, you you've always been like a little bit hip hop curious, I but have. you never wanted to go right in. Yeah, for some reason, Biggie never really came across my desk, as it were, and uh, and I uh, have been really enjoying it. Except that, as with a lot of other hip hop from that era, once you. <laughs> Get to know the lyrics. You think, "Wow, this really is quite appalling," and <laughs> we can't. There's a lot of graphic depictions of violence towards marginalised groups of people in this track, <laughs> and it's a shame because I really love the sound of it. But yeah. you know, it'd be nice if it could be sanitised a little bit. But um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, reawakening of my musical. You know the kind of exploratory musical period. You sort of think, well, I'm, I'm on the verge of forty now, so I guess my taste is my taste. But maybe I'll just add golden era hip hop to that. Yeah, um, repertoire. <laughs> maybe you'll start wearing a massive clock around your neck. <laughs> exactly. Just start wearing real baggy clothes and yeah, cat and starter caps with with the sticker left on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were telling me that. You, which I'm now quite keen to see, you had watched a good documentary about Biggie. Um, yeah. Who had obviously a tragic end. He was only 24, I think, when he died, uh, when he was shot in the, as part of the East Coast hip hop rivalry. But um, yeah, I'm quite keen to get, get a belatedly get into the kind of uh, golden era hip hop culture and rivalries and the, the, <laughs> some of the narratives from that time. I'm not sure how that knowledge will serve me, really. But you should just you should just pick a, a coast that you're really into, and then you just <laughs> you just say, "Nah." Like I remember in that film, um, that film was it called Human Human Traffic? Is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, I think the, yeah. Uh, and the 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 late '90s, I think, uh, sort of rave film Human Traffic, yeah. and there's a scene with a guy, a hip hop head, in a record store. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, no, nah, man, fuck the West Coast. I'm only about that East Coast shit. You should just be like that. You should just be, yeah, fuck the West Coast, man. It's fucking East Coast hip hop yeah. forever. People going, yeah. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't think they do shit anymore. I think, I think that's just pretty, lots of different hip hop now. I'm pretty sure Snoop spends most of his time in New York now. Or I'll, <laughs> go, or I'll go to the record store and inquire about some new hip hop. And then ask questions that are very dated, like, "Is tri- so Trippy Red? Is he East or West Coast?" Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I saw. Uh, speaking of uh, Snoop, I saw this week on social media he was on. He was interviewed, and somebody just asked him right up. Mm. They were talking about the fact that he something we've mentioned on the podcast, I'm sure, but also we've discussed at length is the fact that Snoop will. It, it appears that he will appear in or on anything for the right amount of <laughs> yeah. money. Yeah, because um, he, he he there was a there was a there was a Snoop verse on Jessica Malboy who lost oh, Australian wow. I- who lost Australian Idol many yeah. years ago. Yeah, there was a track. She had a track that came out and, With and Snoop, Snoop on it. W- and Snoop was on it. Wow, and then. And then you've got a food delivery service in Australia. Mm. What's it called? Menu Log? Menu Log, yeah. Yeah, and Snoop and he, was in the... Yeah, go He on. did a little rap for it and everything. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Which was pretty cringy, I've got to tell you. But um, but probably added a lot of value to the Menu Log brand because they were competing sure. with Uber Eats. So how much, how much do you reckon... Uh, what do you reckon a Snoop feature costs? What do you reckon Jessica mm. Malboy paid him? I'll just tell you. Because yeah. he, he just said, they asked him on, I think it was like the Logan Paul podcast. Uh-huh. They just asked him and he said, about 250K. Wow. I'll get you, I'll get you 16 bars. So huh. if you want 16 bars from the D-O-double-G, yeah. from, from the Dizzle, mm-hmm. and you just need that 250K, okay. and he's, he's all yours. So Getting some exciting crowdsourcing ideas right now. Mate, I mean, after our... Imagine if we did another wrap-up rap and you and me, like, you and me did the first two verses and then yeah. suddenly verse number three with the D-O-double-G. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would really bring this into the stratosphere. Maybe we can get a – maybe there's, like, a promo code that we could send yeah. in to get, like, 10% off. <laughs> So I was doing some research, which was inspired by an article I read in the New York Times, which dealt with the topic of uh, dating on the metaverse. And it's an interesting phenomenon. I've talked, obviously, about a number of permutations of online-related romance. I'm sure Mm. that we've had conversations about dating apps. I'm sure we've had conversations about virtual companions and chatbots and so on. This is a little bit different again from any of that. It's it's in some respects superficially similar to online dating, but the objective is quite different because it's really to create this virtual reality environment that 
allows for you to pursue an online romance with somebody in a setting where there's no necessary expectation that you will ever meet that person. Mm. So the the goal, I guess, is to try and and the goal not just of the users but of the people who are creating these platforms is to kind of change the nature of online dating as something which is not just done, you know, by way of eventually meeting someone in person but is conceptualized as something that you can just do as a form of having a relationship with somebody. And I find that concept really interesting. And there's a, the article, the articles that I've looked at have focused on a handful of services that deal with this kind of, that, that offer this kind of functionality. One of them, for example, is called Never Met. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a product which is designed specifically for people with access to VR technology Right. Uh, Flirtual is another one. I Second, like that name. That's clever. Yeah, it's clever, isn't it? Second Life has now got a thing called the Lonely Hearts Agency. And recently, in, in November last year, Match Group, which is the owner, I think, of uh, yeah, OkCupid sure. and Tinder and Hinge, yeah. they they announced that they were creating something called Singletown, which is of, of the same ilk. <laughs> and, again, you know, the, I mean, for example – there was an interview with Cam Mullen, who's the CEO of Never Met, and he was saying that he wants to create an experience which isn't necessarily available now, but, you know, they're developing it every day, which is eventually so immersive that, as I say, you don't necessarily need to or feel that you need to meet with that person. And a lot of these things, the interface is superficially similar to Tinder, so you will go on there, you'll get an account, You'll see other people's images and, you know, you'll see a little bio in the caption, but they're not necessarily the bio of a real person. They're really a bio of that person that, you know, is is inhabiting a particular character and they may or may not share details about their actual self with you or they might, you know, just give you details about this persona that they've adopted or they might focus on, here are the things that I like to do in the metaverse. Here are the different platforms that I like to use and the different activities that I like to engage in. And you can do things like, you know, if you just want to meet with somebody and uh, sit by a virtual waterfall and hold hands, you can do that. If you want to sort of float around in a black hole, you can do that. (laughs) If you, that's actually, that's actually one of them that I I looked at. A black hole date. Yeah. Black hole date. If you want to, um, if you want to do something more active, they have settings where you can obviously like play certain games together and things like this. And of course, there are there's 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 a, there's a growing interest. Every, every one of these that you do gets this point where you go, and of course, yeah, yeah, that's right. And of course, <laughs> if you want to take it in a more perverted direction, then that, that is one hundred percent available. If we make T-shirts, there's going to be a John Maloney shirt that just says, <laughs> and of course. <laughs> <laughs> I start in a very non-judgmental way. And then we get down to brass tacks. Um, and, and it's known in, that, in those communities as ERP, which stands for erotic role play. Okay. And it's really interesting because people talk about 
you know, users kind of react to that experience in a variety of different ways. One of the things people have talked about that I was reading about is the phenomenon of phantom touch, where they say that the experience of virtual reality is so immersive that when you experience, you know, when somebody, another avatar reaches out and touches your arm or something, that you might have a, a kind of phantom physical experience of actually being touched. And... Of course, for those who are less able to uh, use the faculties of imagination to imagine being touched, there are a growing array of devices yes. and technologies that you can use. Uh, there's a whole thing which is called teledildonics, which is yes. actually quite an old term, which is uh, created in, I think, speculative sort of nonfiction books in the 1980s about virtual reality, they started to use this term because obviously people were, even in those days, dealing with headsets that might respond to your real-world movements and things like that. It was very rudimentary, but of course people immediately think, fast forward to a time when we'll be able to have sophisticated interactions with other people, and of course then they think about potential for sexual interaction. And so teledildonics can be anything from like vests or gloves or... Uh, adult toys and they're often Bluetooth controlled and they, they have this kind of haptic capability where they will exert pressure or deliver a low level electric stimulation. (laughs) And it, and it corresponds to what somebody's avatar is doing. And there's also the flip side of that. uh, There's devices which you can wear, which I guess provide a finer level of, uh, correspondence to your physical movements. So there's a place called Control Labs and Control is CTRL, like on a keyboard. Mm. And they've produced these these things that essentially act as a kind of skin over your arm and they're very responsive to your muscular movements. So, you know, even like if, even if you extend your index finger a little bit, it'll be picked up in your avatar. So if you want to use that to touch someone in a loving way, then that would be... <laughs> Then that, then that would be uh, then that would be something you could do, and then they would have the sort of uh, teledildonic technology to feel that in a very specific way as well. And all this is kind of a little bit further along than I expected it to be, uh, because and the reason I was interested in it was partly because uh, I was, you know, sort of it's one of those things that I think you we all thought about when virtual reality technology first started to yeah. appear in the it's 90s. It's the first thing you think about when it's virtual first, reality started. Exactly, to especially if virtual reality comes about during your adolescence. It was something yeah. I thought about. And then you watch <laughs> movies like Lawnmower Man, which had kind of VR-based sex scenes. And now we're finally starting to get to the point where that technology can be credibly implemented. So there's that, and there's all this kind of... Um, there's all these products that I was looking up online, which were quite fascinating. Like uh, there's a there's a place called Kiro, K-I-I-R-O, that produces this stuff that allows you to synchronize your sensations with your partner. You yeah. Know, and, and all this stuff. And there's a guy called Kyle McCullis who's uh, uh, got a blog called uh, MetaFetish, which recently I think wrapped up during COVID, but it was run for a number of years and it was just about – teledildonics and he was kind of on the forefront of that and experimenting with different stuff. Um, so that I thought was really interesting. And then I was reading about 
I, I basically have spent uh, <laughs> went into a deep hole. And then then was reading about what they call uh, BCI technology or brain computer interface technology, which is something that a lot of these companies are starting to experiment experiment with, and something that like Zuckerberg and Musk have started to invest heavily in as well, because obviously they mm, see it's potential. Neuralink. Exactly. So it's about, you know, taking any kind of in, intermediary device out of the equation and and being able to communicate directly between a brain and a, or interface directly between a brain and a computer. So if I'm, if I've got a, you know, virtual reality display, then all I have to do is intend that my character will do this motion in my head and yeah. that then that, that takes place. Yeah. I've avid like uh, the movie Avatar seems quite popular in this kind of tech fetish world as well. Mm. I know that I know that the famous uh, male sex toy company Fleshlight mm-hmm. they they produce a device which is basically meant to replicate the kind of imagined genitals of an alien which appears to be based on the navi from avatar far out imagine Uh, that imagine the meeting where that was first discussed yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so tell me more about teledildonics let me tell if i'm yeah if i'm if i'm ready to sign up yeah 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 one of these services yeah and you are the CEO of one of these online virtual worlds that's yeah. offering that's offering me because I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna say to you yeah. I'm gonna say John the CEO of of tech love yeah I tech- love I, I love virtual spaces and I love engaging in romantic mm. trysts but here's the thing I personally don't experience phantom mm. touch yeah I need I need something that's real. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And yeah. I say to you, John, please explain to me how I can have my needs met. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of examples, Al. Thanks for your inquiry. Uh, <laughs> what What have you got in the? Is it in the space? I'm kind of picturing. Is there some sort of sleeve that I can become acquainted with? Yeah, there are definitely sleeves. So I've got <laughs> got about. I'm just give me a moment. I've got about 400 really bizarre windows open because of all the research that I've been doing. There's a there is here it is. There's a there's a thing called the tact suit, yes. uh, which looks like a very <laughs> cool. Which which oddly enough, I'm assuming is going to be fairly tact less. Oh yeah, it's definitely not very tactful. <laughs> it's created by a company called B Haptics, and it's yes. Uh, TaxSuit X40, which is a wireless haptic vest that packs 40 individually controllable vibrotactile motors into it. And it looks pretty much like a kind of Kevlar vest. It looks really quite sophisticated. But I think you just pop that on and obviously it's got got a variety of uh, sensors in it that will be stimulated. And the whole thing with with something like the TaxSuit is if you want to use it to play uh, uh, to play any kind of normal game where you're getting shot at and maybe you just want your chest to vibrate when somebody detonates a grenade near you, you can do that. Yeah. But if you want to use it for um, ERP, go for your life. Can I put my 
What I want to know is, can I turn it upside down and put my legs through the armholes? <laughs> you, once, you, once you buy it. Then can I stand next to a whole bunch of landmines in Call of Duty? You know, I want to I surround... I want to real surround myself with explosives yeah. in well, an I'm- online virtual environment and I want to be sat down wearing it as a kind of haptic diaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just blow me up, guys, please. <laughs> oh, man, I love all this stuff. There's a company, as I say, called Cairo or Kiro, K-I-I-R-O. Mm. And I'm looking in particular at a, at a device, which is only $292. I'm not sure if that's USD. And it's called the Feel Stroker, and it's a first ever stroker designed with the most realistic sensations in mind. The skin-like material gives you the most pleasurable experience possible. What is it? Hang on. Where does it go? Where does it go? (laughs) Well, it's. I think it's fairly. I'm sure that once you buy it, the instructions are very, are very specific. But I've looked at the description, and it's fairly ambiguous. But it says to look at it. I'd say. It goes uh, into into an orifice, and you know it goes into an orifice. Oh, is it for ladies? It's well, potentially for for gentlemen oh, too. Okay, if, sure. If they're um, if they're wanting to do that, and it says you asked, we heard, and now we're giving you 2021's most epic couple set: the hot the hot octopus pulse solo interactive, and oh my bod lumen, uh, and then it says. It's your gateway to a whole new world of male masturbation. There you go. So this one's- Oh, it's for boys. This one's for boys. It says, the original Pulse Solo Essential was dubbed the most famous guy-brater. I hadn't heard that term before. Ah. And now it's interactive. And it says it can make you finish. I'll I'll clean it up a bit. Hands-free without (laughs) the need for any partner. And then you can enjoy- uh, You can enjoy it solo or you can connect it to- one of over 4,000 interactive videos, which are 2D or VR. Oh, okay. On a range of different contact platforms. And it says for every movement, it says feel every movement made by your favorite stars, mimic through the oscillations on Pulse Solos Interactive, or connect to your partner's device from anywhere in the world and feel every movement they make. Share your pleasure with them through the Feel Connect mobile app. Uh, And it goes into, goes into, you know, a little bit of detail. It's got uh, velvet wave comfort technology, which uh, I personally would like to go on the record and endorse. And it's got um, <laughs> variety of different functions. It tells you how to set it up, etc. I want to know. My real question is: Is there for me? Is yeah. there a Dame Judy Dench setting? <laughs> That's an interesting I be, choice. I want to be in a kind of North English cottage alone. With yeah, Dame Judy Dench. Yeah, okay. and and it I starts. I've, I've been I've been walking with her through yeah. the fe- through the fields, and it starts. And we're just friends. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. Starts yeah. real bucketing down with rain, and oh sure. no, we have to go inside. Yeah, to the warm fire. <laughs> Sounds Is like this. You had a, you fell asleep watching Skyfall and had an erotic dream. <laughs> <laughs> Is this? Is this a reality for me that I yeah. can? I guarantee that that's, that's going to be possible. If you have, you might need a fair bit of money for somebody to do you a like deep fake D- Judy Dench, <laughs> but I'm sure that can be, surely that can be done. Um, then the guy, I, li- I quite liked, 
this farewell pod farewell post by the guy who runs the meta fetish blog who became an expert in teledildonics. Yeah. Or what he calls sex tech. And he says, um, I will probably never not be the quote butt plug guy. But uh-huh. really, but really, I don't nearly have the same interest in sex toys and sex tech that most consumers and manufacturers do. This doesn't mean I'm going to stop working with sex tech, but rather that I need to take it more in my own direction than I have in the past. Developing butt plug has been a great first step for this, and I look forward to continuing my work there as well as possibly striking out on new adventures, maybe not related to sex tech or even tech at all. So he's a real, he's a real polymath. Look, um, um, look for him in politics next. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be, he's, you know, he's tech savvy. I can see him running maybe as the notional VP to somebody like Andrew Yang. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that's. that's Universal sh- basic income and butt pluggery <laughs> is a new platform for the Yang gang. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. That was episode 75 of Delicate the Machine. We've loved talking to you about Teledildonics. Teledildonics, it's a weird, wild world, and we're keeping in touch with it. We've loved talking to you about my new friend, Linda. We hope that her bakery gets off the ground real soon. And we've loved talking to you about untimely reminiscences into old genres of music. I'm going to be sitting here listening to my biggie, and Al's going to be loving his megadeth. As always, I've been your friend and pod partner, John Maloney, and I've been here with my number one pod brother, Zarek Trandler-Boland. Thank you very much, Mr. Boland. We'll see you next time at the podcast.